everybody. I am Jeff Gross. And I'm Laura Licona. And you're listening to Queen's Best, the podcast. Welcome back. So we're going to tell you a little bit more. We're going to tell you who we are. Laura, who are you? I don't know who I am today. I'm loving this music. I'm really jamming out to Jerome's music. It's wonderful. We have to tell people where they can find that, too. Exactly. Well, I am your Chamber of Commerce restaurant specialist and uh, food anthropologist and chef. And Jeff, who are you? Who am I? I do. I I wear a number of hats here at Queen's Chamber. I manage our 13 volunteer committees. I... I'm in-house editor for our This Is Queensboro magazine. Great magazine. And there's something else that I do. You do I, this podcast. I do the <laughs> podcast with the wonderful <laughs> Lauda Lacona. That's right. We're excited. We're thrilled to be here. And shout out to our global audience. It's incredible. All over the world listening in. Oh, my gosh. So last episode, just to bring you up to speed in case you haven't listened to that last episode we talked about high profile guest we hosted Jana Lieber who's chair and CEO of MTA last month here at the world headquarters of Queens Chamber and he talked about a number of topics but one hot topic is congestion pricing which is impacting everyone especially individuals who are have trucks and businesses restaurants who are making moves throughout the city. That's right. And there's a lot of um, opinions about it on both sides. So hopefully they'll get that worked out. It's not a done deal, but it was great to have him here to talk one-on-one with individuals. We also hosted District Attorney Melinda Katz, who was previously Queensboro president. And she always has something great, wonderful to bring to the table and share. And then there were those favorite things that we talked about, our favorite things, our favorite foods. Lauda has an affinity for tacos. I really do. And I I did kind of just phone it in on that one because to me, the tacos so wonderfully generic in my heritage. But uh, But you can put anything in there. Tacos are great. We did. (laughs) We we talked about all the various things that you could put into a taco and make it fusion tacos. Delicious. (laughs) I love a good cheesecake. We talked about that as well. We also talked about Queen's Night Market. Incredible story and an incredible adventure to go to. I adventured. I ventured into Queen's Night Market last month. Oh, my gosh. What did you have? I had bacon shark, Mm. which I didn't understand because it says the sign clearly says fried shark sandwich. But it's bacon shark. So now I know the reason behind the bacon shark, and that is because they bake the bread and they do something to the shark. It tastes like catfish to me. Wow, that's cool. It was very good. It was delicious. It's delicious. The other thing that I tried was from the Taiwanese yummy. It was Taiwanese sausage with sticky rice sausage. Mm. That was delicious. Delicious. Look at you venturing out of your comfort zones. And you had some Afghani food as well, didn't I you? I did. It was Afghani comfort food. Incredible. From Nansense, mm. which was also. So I, I have to go back. They're there until the end of October. So I have to go back because there are 
are numerous other places. I know that how many. I wonder how many trips to the night market would would take to eat through all the stalls. It sounds like that commercial <laughs> for how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? Yeah, you got to go the whole season. Got to do it. Got to do it. We also ate last episode, and that was that's right. We ate at Canal Patisserie. We had some really good French desserts. It was good. Yeah, really tasty. You always pick good stuff. Yep. So this episode, we are going to talk about several things. Queen's Chamber of Commerce hosts signature events, and an upcoming event that we have is the Building Awards. We'll talk more about that. Incredible. And then Changing Seasons. Right, and all of our comfort foods and what we like about the change to fall, which is my favorite season. Yum. (laughs) And then awards, awards, awards. That's right. Award-winning restaurants. The awards that restaurants receive, and then awards versus hole in the wall. Which isn't necessarily a juxtaposition, because those hole in the walls get plenty of awards, but it's going to be an amazing conversation. It will be. <laughs> and, of course, what's on our plate? What are we eating? I, it, it will be something from a, a hole, hole in, in the, the wall. wall. Yeah, I think the quintessential hole in the wall, in my opinion. Uh, you picked a good one. We're going to see. Oh, our listeners can tune in anytime to listen wherever you get your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean app, Player FM, Samsung, and TuneIn and Alexa. We're everywhere. So you can't miss us. So let's get into this. Queen's Chamber of Commerce signature events. These happen throughout the year, but this month, our Building Awards, and the Building Awards happens once a year, and it's the 90th annual Building Awards. It's wow. a signature event. It's October 13th at the iconic TWA Hotel. They have this really unique, it's a 1960 Art Deco design. They were closed for a number of years. That space just sat hmm. unoccupied, and then they poured a lot of money into development and Bam. Did they receive a building award? They received an award. I don't remember when they did. Not a, They did receive an yeah, award. it's an incredible building. But you, you got to see it. And they have a plane. It's called the Connie that sets out in front. And the Connie that used to fly is now a bar, which is. <laughs> hey, the, if you can have them on boats in the <laughs> in the river, why not on it a is plane? the coolest. So it honors architects, builders, engineers, lenders, interior design, owners of buildings, building projects. It literally recognizes our building awards. Literally recognizes anyone in the building space. Hence the word building awards. Cool. And then there's sponsorship opportunities. So as a Queens Chamber member or potential member, there are opportunities to get your name out there, to give your company exposure. And that's through displaying your company logo. And then the levels of sponsorship are similar to the Olympics Hmm. because it's a bronze, a silver, a gold, and a platinum. So the high, exactly. (laughs) So the higher you go, the more you pay, but more exposure that you have. And then to add to that, we have 58 major corporate members, more major corporate companies who are members of the chamber. And they are Grubhub and Google and Facebook and Amazon, just to name a few. Wonderful. And as 
a major corporate, their logo appears in the back of our This Is Queensboro magazine, and their logo also runs across the banner at the bottom of our website. But there's a tie and there's a connection to food. Did you catch that connection to food with some of our corp- major corporates? Mm, possibly Grubhub. Grubhub. Yeah. And then there's Uber. Yeah. Uber Eats. And Amazon, because Amazon has Whole Foods. Yeah, and Grubhub actually has a couple of really amazing grants out there right now for our local restaurants. So anyone can get on the Queen's Chamber of Commerce website and hook up with the SBRN to get in touch with that. And there's there's that information and the resources (laughs) that Queen's Chamber provides, which is like none other. So let's get personal. October is here. I get so excited when the fall comes. Oh, my goodness. It's definitely my favorite season. And they say that that's tied to when you were born and your birthday. For me, that's true. So your birthday is? November. Okay. So I'm just before you (laughs) in October. So October by far is the best month of the year. Okay, November might be a a close second. It's a really incredible month. And it really (laughs) speaks to, like, the shift in foods and how we eat. Um, because now I can turn on the oven in my apartment and not worry about overheating. I was going to say, which you couldn't do in the summer. No, No. and, you know, back home in the desert, we would just eat outside. Um, But it was warm in the desert, (laughs) hence the desert. But now we can start braising meats, so braising short ribs and oxtail and all of my favorites, shanks. (laughs) What's the process of braising? I'm a non-cooker. So it's one of the seven cuisons, seven ways to, to cook your food um, from French culinary school. And a braise just means that you have a liquid in the oven that, you know, comes up to about three quarters of, of the meat. And so it's slow and low cooking in kind of a broth. What's the duration like to really braise a nice piece of meat? How long does that take? Gosh, it could be up to six hours, depending on your cut of meat. It could be overnight. Ooh. Yeah, it's time consuming. Mm. So I'm glad the weather has shifted drastically so you can. Yeah, get into that. And also soups. I'm a soup goddess. I love to make soups. So would <laughs> soup be your comfort, your go to comfort food? It's one. It's definitely one. Braised meats and any kind of soups. We just recently made um, at home a minestrone and a three bean chili. And mm. I'll just keep going all season. Mm. Yeah. So aside from soups, because soup would be my comfort food as well, but I Googled comfort foods because I know comfort foods, so it's not like I don't, I'm unaware, but I Googled in comfort foods, there are like so many, and there are a number of restaurants that only have comfort foods on their menu. So where did this whole comfort food ideal come from? That's a really good question, and I wonder if that's tied more into our psychology, because it's got to be deeply personal, whatever makes a comfort food for a single person. Thinking of sort of the origins of foods, it's what you could get. But now that it's, you know, more recent times and we can get anything that we want to, I think of mashed potatoes and gravy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that's on my list as well. Mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Things that are warming, really filling, kind of like putting a blanket on yourself. <laughs> and you kick back, relax put a blanket over you, if yeah. you will, as you're munching on hot dogs were on the list huh. of comfort food. Interesting. 
I think that some of the foods also, you know, trip certain chemicals in our brains that make us relax. Like when we eat a big turkey dinner and we have to go take a nap on the couch afterward. That would trip me out. And it does trip <laughs> me out. And I get the, the itis yes. after having a heavy meal. But it's all brain chemistry. It, <laughs> brain chemistry. You got to love it. Tomato soup with Mac with um, oh, the grilled cheese. cheese. Pretty classic. I mean, mm. classic classic combinations that play on our palates, too, because we have so many different areas of our mouths. Sometimes we forget about all those things. And right now at um, Harvard, there's a chef who's looking into all of the different umamis. So there's not just one umami, like one savory, but there are multiple umamis and how those all play on your palate. What's an umami? So we have the, you know, salty, bitter, sweet, all of the regular sort of palate flavors that we learned about growing up. And more recently, people have just discovered that there's this um, sort of ethereal flavor, umami, and it's in a lot of, you know, Asian food. So it's just a deep, um, savory flavor that adds to our palate. Spicy in, in, in senses, maybe? Mm, I mean, it can be spicy umami, but it's more of a savory that's not, you know, the what you think of when you think of right. flavors and you think of bitter, sweet, okay. salty. Okay. Well, now there's umami. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tap into all that tis <laughs> the season here in October on the cusp of our birthdays. Oh, wow. Comfort food. Gotta it look. also makes me think of uh, a really nice baked chicken. You just can't beat that. A nice baked chicken? <laughs> yes. I think that's going to be my last meal. Your baked, why, is, why would chicken be your, chicken anything is good yeah. for me, but why would baked chicken be your last meal? It's just, to me, so perfect if you get it right. Once you roast the perfect chicken and you learn how to roast the perfect chicken, it's really the perfect food. The skin is one thing. The meat's another. There's different meats. There's all this variation in one little animal. So you got this one little animal with all these variations of meat and skin. (laughs) Is there a favorite? Do you have, do you like dark meat or white meat? Mm, Totally depends. I think that's another kind of brain chemistry thing. It depends on the mood, depends on, you know, where I'm at, what I'm eating it with. And baked chicken is not the easiest. I've attempted baked chicken before. Mm-hmm. Not the easiest thing to make. No, it's one of those things that's I think really important to learn it well, get it down, and and make. Like trial and error. Yeah, yeah, and reading how other people do it. I mean, for me, it's the most pared down food that I can make. I do nothing to it. I do the salt and pepper underneath the skin and all around, and then I stick it in the oven. And so. you stick it in the oven for. I mean, it depends. I, I crisp the skin. I do change the temperature halfway through. But like um, Samin Nusrat, who wrote um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, does hers in buttermilk. And so there's a lot of really good like chicken and milk recipes because it breaks down the intramuscular tissue. So there's it, good recipes out there. So since there are great recipes, of course, for great food, do you use an air fryer? Do you use a traditional... Like I've never even roasting. seen an air fryer, Jeff. Oh, I don't even, my know, I don't even know what they look like. Are you serious? I'm serious. I have an air fryer <laughs> that I used a lot when I first got it about a year ago. Well, maybe, maybe about a year ago, two years ago now. But now I don't use it very much. Yeah, 
I'm more of a cave woman chef. Like, give me a hole in the ground with fire, maybe some cast iron. I don't, I don't need much. I need a flame, you know, something to put. I could even hang it, hang it with a hook over the fire. But yeah, those modern day tools like air fryers, and I'm not knocking it because I know it's done wonders for people and especially for health because you can air fry things Correct. like chicken wings. Correct. But um, I've never seen one in person. I'm going to have to show you a picture <laughs> of an air fryer. But I mean, if, it, it's something to be said about the tried and true natural way that we cook, whether it be that hole in the ground that you put food into or the oven and it's... You don't get, I will tell you this, you don't get the aroma and the smells and the fragrances from an air fryer that you would if you spent time placing something in an oven and then it's like, right. it it fills the entire kitchen and fills the entire house depending on the size of your house. Yeah, that's... Got it. I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to show you <laughs> a picture of the air fryer. So up next, I think we're going to, I don't think I know, we're going to dive deeper into the awards right the michelin and the james beard but what's most exciting for me is what we're going to do that we do every episode and that is eat our food i can't wait <laughs> talk about our food. our food and eat it talk about our food and eat it coming up next into it uh, welcome back <laughs> restaurants do so much every day that they certainly deserve the awards and the accolades that is bestowed upon them and in the restaurant industry there are two really high level i would I, they're probably on par with oscars and grammys like Sure. For Grammys for music yeah. and Oscars for film. And those awards would be? International awards, the Michelin and James Beard. And, and they were just recently announced. And there are, so before we jump into that, James Beard Award goes back 30 years? Um, Early 90s? Yeah, that was um, when... They first started sort of looking at exceptional talent in the field, and it's changed a lot since then. Um, the James Beard Foundation has really grown and has really looked at um, diversity and change and expanded how they give their awards and how they give their recognition. Um, so it's really incredible. So as where it, wherein Michelin Awards are for a restaurant, mm -hmm. the James Beard Awards can be um, for anything, anything in equity and sustainability, it can be in media, anything around food. Um, so for individuals and anything in the broader food system. 
And James Beard was a well-known chef. Yeah. And also, he was he, a cookbook author, a TV personality. He he would actually, if he were alive today, he would be an older guy, of course, but he would definitely make an appearance on the Food Network. You think so? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Possibly. But I know some. I would hope he'd be hanging out in his kitchen more like Jacques Pepin. That's true because, <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm not the biggest Food Network lover. You know that, Jeff. I have my own experiences with Food Network. And what would be that experience with Food Network, Miss Lauda? Well, you know, when there's any kind of new talent on the scene, and I don't, I want to go back and make sure we talk about the Michelin Awards a little bit more. Oh, yeah, we're coming back to that. Because there's some incredible stuff happening in Queens. We're coming back. Um, around all of that. But um, whenever you're a new chef on the scene and you get a lot of buzz, the Food Network immediately, their producers and their talent scouts come after you. So <laughs> in on the West Coast, they chased me down for a couple of shows. And it's hit or miss the way that it, it works out. But uh, in New York City, I, I finally found myself, <laughs> I kind of against my will, on Chopped, um, <laughs> which was, it was a harrowing experience. And I think that uh, you're either built for TV and, and that kind of thing, or you're not. If there are huge cameras scurrying around you, and you're like, I tend to just freeze. I, I didn't, I didn't do well continuing <laughs> to cook. And um, I know that Amanda Freitag, one of the judges, made a comment about me reaching right into the frying pan to flip, <laughs> flip my pork chops with my hand and not use a tool. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't exactly for me. I, I didn't, I didn't love the experience, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. And, and I think everyone has to experience something at least once to say that yeah. you experienced that. I say do everything. At least once to say you experienced That's right. it. <laughs> That's right. So pivoting back to James Beard and Michelin, Michelin, there are stars that they give, correct? Stars and nods? Yeah, there are. And they've actually expanded even more recently into some more um, categories. But it really was, you know, the Michelin man that you think of, the Michelin tire guy. And originally... Crazy to they, think of that. Yeah, they wanted people to travel to restaurants and yes. travel more. So it was sort of a, a travel guide to places. But it, as everything, has, you know, grown and changed over the years. Like Triple A, because Triple A was travel, and they yeah, like mission. the Zagat Guide as well. Yes. That changed a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there are growing I'm, with the times. I'm assuming, and I'm assuming, and I'm sure you know, there are Michelin star restaurants in Queens. Absolutely, and if you go to the Michelin Guide online, um, it's just guide Michelin, you know, dot com. Uh, it's really easy to put in the filters and search for all of the. Michelin restaurants in in Queens and we have you know they have their one two and three stars um, and the way it used to work when you were traveling is three star meant it's absolutely worth dropping everything and traveling around the okay. world to go to this place whereas okay. one is definitely go it's amazing um, for quality of ingredients the personality of the chef in the cuisine, and they have anonymous inspectors that, you know, have all of these rules and go around and check it out. But the interesting thing is the restaurant gets it. So if the chef leaves, he doesn't get to take, he or she doesn't get to take their oh, star with them. It stays with the okay. restaurant. Okay. But then, yep, then there's Bib Gourmand. There's the Michelin Plate. 
And most recently, there's the Green Star. What's the Green Star? For restaurants that are operating in environmentally friendly and sustainable ways. Oh. Yeah. So the newest in Queens that everyone probably does know about and should know about is Zob Zob. Thai in Elmhurst, and um, we have to go eat there. We, I'm, everyone has I'm to go eat there. I'm down for Zob Zob. Yeah. Is it now these Michelin star restaurants? Are they hard to get into? I mean, is there like a? Yeah, I think that there's more demand, um, especially right now. And we could get into this, but we won't for this podcast. But there's this whole world of reservation <laughs> shenanigans going on <laughs> to be able to get into places. So it's not as easy. It used to be you could walk in and they would hold places for walk-ins. It's really difficult now and you really have to plan ahead to get into places. I mean, we have La Bernadan here, which is one of the best restaurants in the world. Mm-hmm. And they do make sure that in the daytime, people just walking in can eat oh, and try them out. Nice. Yeah. Are Michelin star restaurants ever... Do they participate in like a restaurant week? I believe they do. Yeah, okay. I mean, I would, I, I would say yes. I can't think of why they would not. And that would be the best time if someone wanted to experience a Michelin star restaurant. I mean, do it any time, but yeah. I mean, there's there's such different levels. There's omakase restaurants where you're going to drop a thousand dollars per person just going in for the tasting menu. That's so baller money. especially yeah, especially in Manhattan, it runs the gamut. So I wouldn't be able to say definitively, but if you can get in and you can afford it, you must go. Uh, if you can, you must. I have to pull out that baller cash, but <laughs> without the baller cash, there are the hole in the wall spaces. That's right. So a hole in the wall. When I think hole in the wall, and I'm from Missouri, lived in D.C. a number of years, and there were so many hole-in-the-wall places that I experienced, and it's not as bad as it sounds, because when people say hole, it's a hole-in-the-wall, I think the what comes to mind is it's just really placed, it's just really shabby, it just, but oh, that's not it. Not at all. That doesn't come to mind for me. Hole-in-the-wall is like a special little gem, and hopefully you can get a seat there. Mm. That's. But I grew up with hole-in-the-walls that are incredibly famous from the back roads of um, outside of El Paso and southern New Mexico. Chopez is world famous, and it's a real hole-in-the-wall bar off of a back highway through the pecan orchards and See, cotton fields. I think fields. that's what I'm thinking about is And like it is. It's locations. a little rundown right. mm-hmm, with the most incredible food. And, and same with the little diner that we talked about um, the other day from Canya Tio, Texas. Canya Tio, Texas. ever heard of this place? But this I is a world-famous hole-in-the-wall. And pe- do, do people come from all around? All around. To, to yeah. hit this They spot? travel the same way with Michelin. They'll travel for hole-in-the-walls. Absolutely the same. And more bang for your buck. With <laughs> it's usually <whole>. pretty cheap. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. This is so true. So I think we should jump into and experience one of the gym hole in the walls that you pointed out. And and it's, it's really funny on this because when we were talking about hole in the wall, this is the place that came to mind. Mm-hmm. But if you Google white pear... Um, and and go to all of the different write-ups about the white bear in Flushing, the first thing that comes up is hole in the wall. And it really is. It's like a counter. It is a counter. And I was when I looked at when I Googled it and I looked at the pictures, I thought, oh, I could go in and 
because the description gave right. the menu. No. Yeah, even up. all of the signage, somebody um, took the time to really translate everything. And there's old signage from like an ancient travel agency that used to be there that's still hung up. So if you were to read the signs, I think you'd be very confused about what this place is. But as you experienced, they make it really easy for you to choose what to eat, Jeff. They really do because <laughs> I went to their site and there's this long laundry list of all these items that they have. So I'm standing there waiting. There was a couple standing next to me. They got their food. So I step up. The lady asked me what I wanted. And I'm like, hmm, I think I'll have this. Dump. She said, no, we don't have that. Yeah. We just have this. And she pointed to two pictures that were on the window. And that's what she gave me. That's but exactly as it right. turns out, that's not what I got because I thought <laughs> I, I ordered Dan Dan noodles. You got the number six, Jeff. They're going to give you the number six every single time. And there's actually blogs that you can humorous blogs where people go and try to order something. They're like, no, sit down. You're getting the number six. So it looks to me like we got the number six. Number six looks tasty. Oh, my God. And what exactly is this? Oh, paper-thin pork dumplings with crispy chili sauce on top. I cannot wait. <laughs> Can I eat one? So I'll, let you, I'll <laughs> let you go first because it's, it's time. The time has come to experience the number six from White Bear, which is located at in Flushing mm. at 13502 Roosevelt Avenue. And Lauda has jumped right in to her, what is it? It's delicious. These dumplings are incredible. I mean, there are so many good dumplings in Flushing, so there's no way to say what's the best. There's, there are so, it's so diverse. But how much did we, I mean, how much was this? It's like six bucks, right? It was really inexpensive. Yeah. And this is really good. It's, it's incredible. Just incredible. It's flavorful, but chili. And not too spicy for you. It's not too spicy, but I'm finding more and more that as I venture outside of my food comfort zone, that I'm okay with spicy. I'm going to put another one in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny how we have to retry things because we think we have a memory and we don't like something. Then we'll retry. That's For me, it's beets. As a kid, I thought I hated beets. I love beets. What was I thinking? Beets are nasty. <laughs> beets are the best. The best. I tried beets not <laughs> long ago, and it was nasty. I think I made it through maybe one or two of them. My mom used to eat beets all the time. My grandmother ate beets all the time, and I'm like, what the? Really? I mean, it's plain. I don't know how it could be nasty. It's just so blah. It's right up there with milk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right up there. These were delicious. Yeah. White Bear in Flushing, New York. They're 13502 Roosevelt Avenue. And they're open as early as 10 a.m. Yeah. And they're, they closed around 11, I believe. But you have to try these because these are delicious. And we'll have an image of this on our Instagram page. That's right. Queen's Best. The podcast. podcast. We'll stick a fork in it because I think we're done. That's right. And go out, be adventurous, and support your local restaurants. Thanks for listening. Peace and blessings. Till next time. Yes. Yeah.